The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. Uh, we've, I think, fully recuperated from college game day, uh, from Memphis's huge win over SMU. Probably the best day in program history when you take the two together. Uh, I'm Mark Giannato. I'm the Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer and producer, is also here. Um, Memphis is in an open week. Evan, I noticed in one of your stories you used bye week in the headline. It's an open week. I did, and you know what? Call it what you want. Call it open week. Call it an off week. It's not a bye week because they didn't receive a bye. They just It's an open week. I'm saying goodbye to my stress this week because I don't have a game to cover. Yeah, um, but plenty to talk about this week, uh, starting with the incredible scene on Saturday morning for College Game Day, then the incredible scene at the Liberty Bowl Saturday night, the incredible win Memphis got at the Liberty Bowl Saturday night, and then the release of the first uh, college football playoff rankings uh, on Tuesday night, but... I figure we should start with college game day Saturday morning because, I mean, honestly, I I said this on the radio. It 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 was one of it will be one of I I can't imagine there's going to be many things in my career that I cover that are more memorable than that experience. That's how great it was. Um, just the the scene on Beale Street. Um, it just was perfect, and it was. It it felt like the this just celebration of Memphis football of the city of Memphis. It was something you could just tell. It, it, there aren't many game days like that, what, you know. And, and it wasn't it wasn't just a Memphis thing. It was just like a it was just special. And I'll, I'll remember it for a long, long time being there in that in that atmosphere, just feeling everyone's. I don't even know what the word is. It's like everyone was just so satisfied and gratified and, you know, it, this was this was a long time coming and it felt like a a coronation if you will. Uh and and it was just so cool being there. I'm curious you were there in the I was kind of backstage more than in the crowd. What was it like in the crowd, Evan? It was just a sea of love a joy i mean like you you pretty much said it but i felt like just walking through that crowd when i got down there i got down there a little later than you but just seeing people down there just so happy it was cold but there was a warm feeling of we've made it we've got here this is a wonderful time and then when the show started you saw everybody just erupt and i watched a little bit of it last night as we were as um, I was looking on game day for something just to see all the signs, all the people, all the joy. And you see Reese Davis and Herb street and Desmond Howard and Corso get excited. I mean, it, it didn't feel like a typical game day. It felt like one big party and it reminds you that this city loves to party more than anything else, but it felt like one big happy party. And you just even felt in the crowd, there wasn't bad energy. There was people who were excited to be there. I saw one sign that said, you know, I ditched my anniversary to come here and it was my wife is awesome and everything like that. It just felt like you said, it was one of the best moments I think I'll ever have in my career, at least up to this point, you know? Yeah. And it was, and it just looked so good on TV too. I mean, Memphis just came off so well. And then you see the, 
I guess the uh, ESPN sent out the uh, release yesterday. Um, over and you could you could just tell from this release like how much Memphis embraced game day and it showed on TV. But it was a season high for college game day in terms of social mentions last week. They got one hundred twenty two thousand social mentions. Um, and y'all, y'all, y'all's mission to send me into a jealous rage is working. I'm just very. <laughs> well, I don't understand why you weren't there, huh? Why weren't you there? Well, we can. I had to watch it on TV. We'll have to cut this part out. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't let me go. I had to oh, watch it on TV. Yeah, really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so <laughs> with game day, um, they averaged more than 1.6 million viewers. Uh, in the final, that final segment where Corso memorably does it does his heel turn, which, by the way, that I got awesome. That well, and great. it's not just, it wasn't just that he turned heel on, and, and Lawler was good too, coming in on the Batmobile and, and whatever, but what I loved about it is if you go back and watch College Game Day, literally from the first line Corso delivered on that show, he was setting it up yep. for that heel turn. Yeah. Like, for all the stuff he gets because he, you know, he had the stroke and he's not as sharp on air as he used to be, like, that was pretty good. Like, literally, he said the first – his first words on that show were essentially something like, you know, like basically putting down SMU and just saying Memphis is glorious. And – Immediately when he said that, the first thought that came as a pro wrestling guy go, he's turning heel at the end of the show. Like that, <laughs> right. and it was and just he, well done. He well said, done. He said it even before. Like when he first came out to the crowd, he had the two helmets. He had the Memphis helmet, yeah. the SMU helmet, and the crowd was going crazy. And then he chucked the SMU helmet and kissed the Memphis helmet. The yeah. crowd was going crazy. Yeah. It was a perfect setup. And yeah. I was, and I'm like you, Mark. I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm not buying. I'm not. I'm not buying this. I've watched too much pro wrestling. But then the, over the course of the three hours, it was like. Oh, he, poor old SMU. He lulled me into Ain't it. got a chance. That was one of his lines at one point. I mean, uh, hook, hook, line, and sinker for uh, me. Oh, it was great. Um, and so, and that, and so, in that final segment, almost 2.4 million people were watching. And that, that to me is the key part in all this. And that there were so many people that got exposed to Memphis and Memphis football this weekend. And so, this the entire day really, I think, elevated the program another notch if you will like memphis had already kind of established itself as one of those uh one of the one of the best group of five programs in the entire country but it felt like this really cemented memphis's status in a lot of ways uh because of how cool it looked how excited everyone looked the whole nation saw that like i a lot of times i judge these types of things on you know i was getting text messages like friends of mine from all over the country who really have no connection to Memphis other than I live here were just texting me like, this looks amazing. Um, and if anybody yeah. ever wonders why why a university sinks a bunch of money into a football program, I mean, this is it. This is, what, this is why you invest in your football program. This is why you build a big practice facility and why you pay your head coach a bunch of money. I mean, like, that's, this is, this, this is you know, you're, you're reaping the benefits now of, of your investment. Well, and then we get to the game Saturday night. SMU Memphis wins fifty four forty eight in a. And it wasn't that close. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, like you know, SMU got some points at the end. I mean, yeah. Memphis, Memphis was clearly the better team. Clearly, and uh, people saw that on an, another an ABC national television primetime audience got to see what this team 
has become over the course of this season. And now, uh, with three games left, they control their own destiny in terms of winning the AAC and going to the Cotton Bowl. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious, Evan, what really, in terms of the football, what really stood out to you in that game? I think we've seen all year Antonio Gibson was having a great breakout year. He was becoming very reliable. He was a deep threat. That game really showed how much of a playmaker he is in all facets, not just with receiving the ball, but as a runner when he goes in, he can get you know, those tough yards. As a returner, he's actually one of the leading returners in the country per uh, return yard average. But his performance, I think, really showed what this Memphis offense is, is that there are guys who can come into this offense and play really well. You see Kenneth Gainwell. You see DeMonte Coxie. But to see Antonio Gibson, who's probably the number two receiver, number three receiver maybe, if you look at um, even Magnifico, he had the game of his life out there, and it showed basically that, hey, when this offense is going and Brady White's playing the way he's playing, anybody can go off in any minute. I think that speaks to what Mike Norvell has done. It speaks to the players he's recruited, but also speaks to how much Antonio Gibson has added a more dynamic element to this offense besides Gamewell and Coxey. Well, to, I mean, to me, though, the story is Brady White. 100%. Um, Not 100%. Antonio yeah. Gibson. Is, Antonio Gibson was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, listen. He's another weapon, and yes. it's – it's you, you have to, but what's becoming clear is you have to, like, you have to pick your poison. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those offenses like like SMU said. All right, we're not going to let Kenny Gainwell beat us. And Kenny Gainwell had a he had a fine game, but he wasn't like stupendous because SMU focused all its attention on him. And Memphis and Brady White said, "All right, fine, we'll pick you apart another way. We'll yep. go to Antonio Gibson. We'll go to Demonte Coxey." But the transformation of Brady White over the past month has been. Unbelievable. I mean, it's it's really to me the story mm-hmm. of the season. And yeah. if he, I mean, if he continues to play the way he's played the last couple games, they're not going to lose yeah, the, these no. next three games. They're not like they're gonna if if he play if he plays this way, if he continues to play this way, the way he's played since that. Really, I mean, it's the set. He had the second half of the Navy game, mm-hmm. and then the Monroe game. He was pretty good. Pretty good for the most part. For the most part, the Temple game. He had a terrible first quarter. But what gets lost in that is he threw for a career high in yards in that Temple game. Um, so he was bad in that game because of the turnovers. But it wasn't like uh, it wasn't there was he had four or five really bad plays in that game. But he played OK. Otherwise, he, he nearly brought him back. Let's be honest. And then and then the last two games, he's been just phenomenal. And if he if he plays this way, they're going to go to the Cotton Bowl. Like yeah. if he just if he keeps yeah. playing this way, they're gonna go to the Cotton Bowl, especially Qu- if they get Patrick Taylor back. I mean, let's not. And it sounds like from what Mike said yesterday, it sounds. Would you predict today Taylor's gonna play against Houston? I would say it's a. I would say yes. I mean, the, you- the way the way Mike sounded was, he said, "I think it's time." Like it, it wasn't like we'll see, we'll see. I think it's time, and I'm like, and he's got this this open week to to get ready. Exactly. So again, two weeks to get ready. I think it would be very surprising if he doesn't play. And I don't care how you use him, like even if he does come back and he's well, he's not going to be the work. I mean, you can't right. He's no, not going to be the no, workhorse no. you were planning him to be. Exactly, and that's my point. Even still, adding yes. a an, a player of his caliber to the offense that's already clicking the way it is, I mean, it's scary uh, almost. I mean, they they put up fifty four points the other night. I mean, and you mm-hmm. add him to this. And, and it, that was with settling for some field goals, right, too. Right, right. Um, and a couple of touchdowns taken away. Yeah, three touchdowns three touch- taken away <laughs> yeah. um, by the refs. 
but no, Brady. I mean, anybody who chooses to ignore the fact that he has come a long way and or turned a corner or whatever is sort of fooling themselves because he was he struggled and now he's gotten to the point where the mistakes he he doesn't make anywhere near the number of mistakes that he was prone to making, you know, prone to make no. uh, before. I mean, it just, it, he has, like Mark said, the transformation has been, I don't know listen, if remarkable is the right word, listen, but it's been very impressive. He's fifth in the country right now in yards per attempt. Remember we were talking yeah. about how the guy can't yeah. throw down field. Yeah. They don't throw bubbles. He's know, literally throw. fifth in the country in yards per attempt. And I mean, that, and that, it's one is Jalen Hurts, two is Tua Tagovailoa, three is Joe Burrow, and and tied with Joe Burrow is Tyler Huntley of Utah, and then there's Brady White. And see, everybody wants to point to like his quarterback rating or his passer efficiency and all that stuff, and that's all great. But when you throw a bunch, by of, the way, he's sixth in uh, passer rating, no, QB and, and, rating, and that that's why I say that number can be a little misleading because you you know you throw a lot of bubble screens, you throw a lot of uh, quick dump off passes, screens, certainly whatever. But when you when you have that plus the high uh, yards per attempt, that's when you know you're doing something something really really well. And Brady White is. I mean, he deserves yeah. every bit of praise that he gets. As long as he keeps playing the way he's playing. Yeah. No, and now it is set up really well for this team. I mean, they have this open week, then they go at Houston, at USF, Cincinnati at home to close the year. The first college football playoff rankings came out. I believe Cincinnati was 20. Yep. Memphis was 21. Yep. And someone was 20. uh, Boise Boise was 22. Boise was 22. So the way it sets up is very clear. If they be, you know. Now it does. It is a little concerning that it appears the committee is higher on Boise than a lot of people are, than some people are. I would say, given the fact that Boise hasn't really, they beat Florida State, but like as we, you know, Florida State's not that good, right? Um, and it tells you with that ranking that Memphis can't lose to Cincinnati or Houston and expect to go to the Cotton Bowl, no, um, just because. Boy, if a one loss Boise, it appears would would be ahead of them. I, I don't, bo- talking about Boise, their last uh, four ga- they got four games left: um, home against Wyoming, mm-hmm. home against New Mexico, at Utah State, and at Colorado State. So not a lot of well, Wyoming's not bad. They beat Purdue earlier in the year, and then Utah State isn't terrible. Um, but regardless, the, the way it's setting up, it, like we'll see what SMU does. But Memphis, I mean, honestly, to if SMU wins out and Memphis loses one game, SMU would get the AAC West bid. So Memphis really can't uh, afford at this point to lose another game. Um, and it's setting up, frankly, if Cincinnati wins its if Cincinnati wins its games going into that Memphis game, it's setting up to be where Memphis plays Cincinnati uh, and they could play the next week. In the yep. AAC championship game. Yep. Um, and that game would be for home field advantage because if Memphis wins, they play them again at Memphis at the Liberty Bowl for the AAC championship. Or, yeah, well, it will it might be a situation where Cincinnati is already guaranteed to make the championship game, whereas Memphis needs to win to get in because yeah. if they lose and SMU hasn't lost again, SMU would get it. Correct. Um, but SMU still has to go to Navy, right? Uh, which will be a tough game. So... 
Uh, it's setting up where, you know, like I said, it's all in Memphis's control here. They, they, they win out. Uh, they're going to do something on the field that, uh, they've never done before. Uh, and it, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Now, it, I don't know. It's funny. I, I was listening to some people on the radio and I, I kind of tend to agree with them. Like, I'm not like, would it, would going to the Cotton Bowl and winning the Cotton Bowl be better than what we experienced Saturday? I mean, probably in theory, maybe not because it's not in Memphis and this was more of a Memphis celebration that was here. But let's be honest, the Cotton Bowl would be pretty cool. But now that you mention it, I mean, like, I, I don't know if I don't, I don't know, know if even man. winning the Cotton Bowl would be better. It'd be I don't think it'd so. be the greatest victory in program history if they won the Cotton Bowl, whoever they ended up beating. I'll take it further. I would say maybe not because would that win be bigger than, say, beating Ole Miss four years ago? Would that win be better than beating UT? I mean, it would be great, but in all in practicality, would it be better? I don't know. I think if I think if you take into consideration that it's the cherry on top of such a special season, then probably so. I mean, those other ones were great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, beating Tennessee, beating Peyton, Peyton Manning uh, in Memphis, no less. Um, and then, and then, like you said, beating a ranked Ole Miss team uh, a few years ago. Um, but I mean, there's a chance. What Florida is project is is one of the projections to be an opponent in the Liberty Bowl. I've seen. I mean, in the Cotton Bowl, I've seen Baylor mentioned as a team, which will be interesting. Cause I think it all depends it, on who makes the playoff and right, you know right. all yeah. that stuff. But I'm telling you, you go into Dallas and you beat Florida. That that would be that'd be big. That'd be big. Yeah. No. And then well, and then the other interesting thing that's popped up this week again, and it, I think Memphis fans are dealing with it the right way because it's becomes almost old hat at this point. Like, you know, now you're seeing the Florida State jobs open, uh, the USC job everyone expects to open, um, you know, maybe Mrs. maybe Arkansas opens again, um, and Mike Norvell's name is being mentioned for all of this because, again, this weekend elevated him in a lot of ways because of the national spotlight that was on Memphis and more, you know, there were more eyeballs than ever on seeing what he's accomplished here at Memphis. But it feels like at this point, Memphis fans have almost taken the attitude. And I think this is the right attitude of, you know what, when he leaves, he leaves like he's, he's done a lot for this program. And why worry about that right now? Um, Yeah. Enjoy the ride. yeah. Yeah. Now my question It'll be interesting to see what happens this offseason regardless of what Mike decides to do. Because, one, if like Florida State or USC came calling, he'd be silly not to take those jobs. I'm curious if, you know, two years later, he was he would have taken the Arkansas job two years ago if he was offered it. I, I, I really believe that uh, based on what I'd heard. Uh, but would he take it now? given what's happened to Chad Morris, given how hard it is to win in the SEC West, given how much he has Memphis rolling and the fact that he has Brady White coming back next year. And Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah. And Kenneth Gainwell. <laughs> um, and then and then the other question is, if he does stay, how much can Memphis pay him? Because now Houston has changed the ball game a little bit. You know, Mike was Mike's making, I think, 2.6. 2. And probably like 2.8 with all the bonuses he gets. I mean, Dana Holgerson's making four. And if if they go to the Cotton Bowl, to me, if you're you know if you're Memphis, you gotta 
you got to get close to that four. If I you want to keep him, I mean, yeah, I would think to yeah. keep him happy. You're trying to keep him, um, and then you combine the fact that they're probably going to have to pay Penny Hardaway this off season too, give him a raise. You know, if for you know, it's this is where being in a group of five conference comes into play as 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 much as the AAC has separated itself in some ways from the group of five and they have a better TV deal and whatever, it's still not close to what the power five makes in these media rights deals. And, and that comes into play with how much you can, pay, you know, whereas Florida state can afford to flush $17 million down the drain, firing Willie Taggart. Um, Memphis, Memphis's resources are a little more limited and it'll be interesting to see it, this is going to be whether Mike stays or goes. Like if he goes, it's for Laird Veach. It's kind of, to me, it's his first real test as AD. If Mike goes, obviously, like finding Mike's replacement will be huge. Um, figuring finding that third coach in a row who can keep this rolling uh, is you know, going to be tricky, but not you know. Hopefully they're able to do it. They were able to do it after Fuente left. But then even if Mike stays, making sure he's happy uh, is also going to be a, a challenge for, for Laird Veach in that athletic department. Yeah, I mean, but you look at it, you can look on the bright side. If you lose, if Mike Norvell does decide to to go somewhere else, if he's offered a you know a bigger, better deal, um how much easier is it going to be to hire somebody quality here when you do when he does have the ball rolling as well as he does and and you do have as much coming back as you do um i don't know i it's it's going to be very very interesting to see how it plays out and try to read the tea leaves and the writing on the wall and all that good stuff i mean uh mike in the in the last few post game press conferences that I've been to has just got he's gushed. I mean, he got emotional yeah, the other yeah. night about over the Memphis, scene. just over Memphis and the community and this community special to me. And he keeps repeating that. So is he saying that because he really really wants to stay, or is he saying that because he's getting sentimental because he thinks he might be about to leave? I don't think it's either. I think it's just I think he loves this community and he loves being here, but. I don't think I think the two things are mutually not mutually exclusive, if you will. Like, right, right. Yeah. You know, like he could very well leave for another job, but it doesn't change how he feels about Memphis. Right, like I do right. think he loves being here and he loves the community and how it's embraced yeah. him and how you know, like I think that's real. I don't think that's an act. No, but I no, also don't genuine. think no. I also don't think it means he won't leave after the season necessarily Correct. for Correct. the right job. I mean, so, it happens all the time. It yeah. happens all the time. I mean, we've all been there with our own job careers. I mean, we've all left good jobs right. for something. So, And we love where we used to be. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, it, I don't know if there's going to you know, not many weeks, weekends that are better than this past one. So it, it, it was fun to see the city just wrap its arms around Memphis football this weekend. Um, and probably a good thing that they had an open week, given how emotion the emotional high they were on felt like it would almost set up for a letdown. Um, but we'll be back next week, uh, looking ahead to the Houston game and the stretch run of this season. Um, well, Evan will have plenty of coverage though during this open week on commercialappeal.com. Uh, until the next time we talk, I was Mark, I was joined by Evan and Jason. 
Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. A new episode of the Tiger Football Podcast posts each Tuesday during the regular season. You can also subscribe to the show for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.